And welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd. Very glad to be back after what I think was a quite restful period with my children, which I will say openly that I think I rested. I think I did because we went camping. And of course, camping is awesome because the children just disappear. And um, that's always fabulous. So it's good to have a break. I hope all of you small business owners out there had a great break over the Christmas period and ate silly and are now ready to get back into it. And today's topic uh, is a really great topic to be tackling at the beginning of the year when we're starting afresh. We're starting anew. We're starting to think about how we're going to tackle the new year, both in a uh, client-focused way, but also in our own mental health and well-being space. And that's what we're talking about today. Small business owners are, are pretty notorious for putting ourselves last. The businesses, our clients, our family, all well ahead from us in terms of our well-being. And um, from a mental health perspective, when you put yourself last, you, of course, devalue your work and eventually your worth. And then, of course, your business suffers. We've all been there uh, as small business owners, underquoting, working late into the night when the client was works late, you give them the information you needed to get done or, or marking down that final invoice because you didn't feel quite right to charge them what you were worth. Did you even know you were doing that? Uh, did you realise that you were devaluing yourself? Did you realise you were devaluing perhaps your employees? And have you ever thought about the action and what that does to your bank balance and your net profit? Well, Today, we've, uh, we've got an expert in the room, of course, talking to us all about tackling these issues. Uh, he's hugely experienced at running his own business, as well as representing Beyond Blue as a speaker in mental health. Welcome to the Pro Program again, Tim Hoopman. Thanks very much, Alexi. Wonderful, wonderful to be here. And Happy New Year to everybody. Indeed, to indeed. A new year, a new you a new way of looking at things perhaps for small business. So last time we were on the program, we, we covered quite a lot of, of mental health aspects, but I thought this was a really great opportunity to talk about what we actually do when we value ourselves as small business owners. And unfortunately, the reality is so many times that value is seen as the bottom line figure, which, which isn't great. We don't want to sort of value ourselves as numbers, but you do get into those habits, don't you? You get into bad habits when you're running a small business in the way that you see yourself and the way you see your business. Um, one of the tips I, I like to give people is, as a, as a business owner myself, is try and disassociate yourself from the business as much as you can, just as a starting point. See the business as the business and you as you. But that, that's difficult, particularly if a sole trader. Would you agree? Yes, I definitely would. I think when people are starting to create a business and around a business, a brand, they have to be very careful that um, they do... C- they do are connected with that brand, but they are also um, able to be separated from it mm. so that the brand can stand alone. And I think if you think about it in terms of people running their own business that is a brand, um, at some stage they won't want to sell that. And if you're connected to that brand 100%, then it's very, very difficult to sell something that's you. Mm. But if you have a standalone business, a standalone brand, um, a service offering for a customer that you can step away from, that's a very, very powerful position to be in. It's almost like you need to be, people talk about being genuine in your business and reflecting your values and who you are. Well, that's all fine and well, perhaps when you're starting and creating this own little beast. But I think it's a good idea to to, to keep it at arm's length eventually. Because like you said, I mean, if, if nothing else, we almost all need to approach business with the ability to sell it at the end. We have to we have to create something that is of value. Um, and then I think maybe if you have something that's of value, then maybe you're not 100% the value of what it is and you can disassociate yourself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely correct. And I think um, as you grow um, value um, in any business, 
yes, it's about the team. Yes, it's about yourself um, and, and your clients. But at the same time, um, it's also about the service offering. It's about what you're delivering to those customers mm. um, and how they're perceiving that. And then that's where the value comes from, how they perceive your um, your business. So let's talk about the rules of engagement. A really great starting point because, I mean, how many years do we all get down the track before we go, mm, maybe I should create a bit of a an agreement or a contract or something that someone signs that says they will pay me in X number of days, they will pay me this amount. I mean, we kind of fumble around for a bit. Do you think that's a really important thing to get right really quickly? Oh, absolutely. I believe that you have to start how you want to finish. So really, um, I, I look at a lot of businesses. I was in the same situation myself early on. Um, if you don't go about getting your agreement and your service levels defined up front, if you're not very, very clear about actually what you're going to deliver, um, if you don't then have clear accountability. And I think one of the interesting things um, there, and I learned this a long time ago, is accountability is for everyone. So your clients coming on board have an accountability as well as you do, because we're all in this together um, to deliver um, an outcome to that to that client. So if they're not part of that, then you're going to be behind the eight ball all the time. So you're looking at your defined service levels, you're looking at your accountability, um, you're going to agree up front what the deliverables are mm. and when they do. I hear a lot of people talk about, oh yeah, well, I, um, yeah, I kind of need to get that done for the client next week. Really, I don't know whether that's very helpful to you as an individual and that's where stress level and anxiety comes from or to the client. So agree those deliverables and dates up front and then get a proper level, le letter of engagement in place and if they don't sign it up front, they're probably going to be problems along the way. Oh, that is a must, oh. absolutely. I, um, I feel that too many people start work before that agreement is in place and look, at, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to waft something that's 10 pages in front of my client. It doesn't need to be that and it it doesn't it's parameters you're setting parameters aren't you you're really saying to them in order for me to achieve this this and this in these dates i love that point that you just made i need you to give me this this and this absolutely and with that um comes a price so you have to be really clear because most people argue at the end about why was it that expensive i didn't think i had to pay that much it's a it's um way above my budget. So get all of that out of the way as well. When you're talking about the service level, when you're talking about the deliverables and the dates, you've got to talk about your, your um, fee and you've got to be really clear about that up front. And I agree with you. Every uh, What I see and what I've wanted to do in the past, I just want to help somebody. So you jump in the deep end and you help them and then you realise that it's quicksand mm. and, and you're all in there together and it doesn't really work. So do all the work up front and the final point is agree how they're going to pay you because if they don't sign the agreement and if they don't put pen to paper about how they're going to pay you, you again you'll have trouble i had in my business over 95 percent of people on direct debit um perfect 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 because that's really important to me to get paid and really important for my team and and so that's a real must have um, when i was nice and thought oh this person will just pay on time i always got burnt so have all of those three or four things all buttoned down at the beginning because if you begin how you want to end, then you can get on with delivering your service or your product to your customer and do a really good job because you're not sitting at home going, oh, I haven't paid and I'm not sure what date it's supposed to be and we're late.
Yeah, and I can't remember what I said in that conversation. Yes. Always writing notes, client notes about what it is that you talk about. Even um, I find a great tip is writing an email to yourself. You know, I just had this phone call with this person and so you write it all down and you send it back to yourself and that way you've got a date and a timestamp about the conversation and what was said and when it yes. happened. And if you get people to sign an agreement, um, approve an online quote, um, I... I suggest, and I've seen it in my business, the probability that they will adhere to that is far greater than if it's just a few words in an email. How do you prepare yourself for that transition? Because I'm sure uh, a lot of businesses out there just kind of start go. They, they start their business, they, they get going, they get a nice little client base going, and, and these are the great clients who will probably be with you for a long time. How do you transition them into the direct debit? Where, where do you get that mental space to um, to move them into that because I found I find that it, it's quite a big hurdle to say to yourself because this is all about valuing yourself really I value myself you will pay me on time and you will pay me what I'm worth but how do you have that conversation in an email do you just sort of send it out as a blanket do you send it out as an engagement letter update what would you suggest okay so what I would suggest is if you step back and you have a serious look at your business from a strategic and planning perspective that's when you do it so in my business, I'm going to have everybody on a letter of engagement. They're all going to be on direct debit. This is the process and structure with, I, which, with which I operate. And it's really important to be clear in your business about your strategy and your plan before you go to a customer. Sending out emails ad hoc to people going, oh, we want to put you on direct debit now. I, I would, I've experienced that in the past. It doesn't work. didn't work for me. But when I was very clear about, okay, um, what we're moving to is a clearly defined letter of engagement. You can sign it online through e-signature. Um, there's a direct de- debit element of it. Here's the form for that. I need all of that signed up front. Then we can start the work. Mm. And I can start the work tomorrow because I've got my team here, but I need all this done first. Once you're clear about how your business operates, then definitely you can, um, you can go about um, getting people to come on board. Think of it this way. If you wanted to hop on a Qantas or a Virgin flight tomorrow, could you tell them you're going to pay later? No. No. So why do we say to ourselves that we're worth that? No, absolutely not. Would you, um, how do you determine whether or not you need to have some upfront payment before work or you wait it till it's completed? Um, A lot of businesses, again, around valuing themselves think, oh, I have to wait until the job's absolutely done and then I'll invoice. Um, where, where do you find the confidence to say 50% up front? Or does it depend on the industry and what the industry standards are? I think it probably depends on the industry and the industry standards. Some people need um, progress payments. Some people need uh, payment up front. Some people are buying materials. They need um, deposits on those. There, there's a range of different examples. Certainly from a, my experience in a service industry, I think... Um, what we moved to was um, certainly invoicing every month and often invoicing at the 1st or the 15th of the month and expecting payment by the end, end of the month by direct debit. Um, it, it's, I think if you talk, look at a service industry, it's like um, if you're a contractor or an employee in their business, you would have, the client would have to pay them every week or every fortnight or every month. So it's kind of the same. Mm. And I think if you get out of that cycle, um, it gets a very dangerous um, situation very, very quickly. Yeah, I would say that's a really great top tip is getting into a cycle as quickly as you can and forcing yourself, even if it's at midnight that night, to get those invoices done on that day. Because there's nothing worse than sending out an invoice that has a date that you've backdated yep. or forwarded, unless, of course, the client's asked for that. But 
Yeah, it looks a bit unprofessional, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think if you're going to um, expect other people, um, such as your client, to be consistent with payment, with how they operate with you, then you've got to do the same in return. If you don't invoice on time, that's a really, really good point. Um, a lot of the tools now that you can use, um, you can set up automated automated reoccurring invoicing get that done just get it out let's let's get use an example of that actually because you know you and i are very familiar with zero yep. and, and one of the ways and you can do this with all the accounting systems you can create for every single one of your clients you can do a draft let's say you're in the service industry you can do a draft invoice which just sits there and like it, it when you when you go into your accounting software to do some bank reconciling or something it jumps out at you you've got these draft invoices sitting there waiting for action and it, it's almost that prompt, isn't it? You see that they oh, they've been generated. Okay, I've got to go and got to go and do my invoicing now because this is the date that they need to be done. Correct. Um, and zero is a really really good example. And the other thing that I learned over the years is the best person to do the invoicing is not the business owner, because I often would go through. Oh, you know, I want to keep the client. I have a whole bunch of other things going on in my head. Um, what I was fortunate enough was have a really. Um, a really powerful customer service manager who set up in zero all re- all invoices reoccurring on the first and the fifteenth of the month. They just went out automatically. Mm. Now, people say, "Oh, yeah, but what if there's additional out of scope work? You send them a separate invoice." Ooh, novel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> let's yeah. get let's in, in this is my example. Let's get the business operating. Let's getting all those. Um, fixed fee invoices out on a regular occurrence and get them paid and then step about step aside and do all the additional um, out-of-scope work mm. um, and charge that accordingly. Yeah. Um, and don't try and mix the two and don't try and be too clever. Just keep it going because if you think about a business, one of the great things is if you've got consistency in terms of understanding what your expenses are, that's really good. So if you're one of the people that are sending them out ad hoc to your customers and are becoming a nuisance, guess what? It won't be a client they for very a client. long. Mm, exactly. Look, what we might do is take a quick break here on Triple H. You are listening to Triple H here in Sydney and nationally across the community radio network. We'll be back after these announcements. So we're talking today to Tim Hoopman, who is um, a speaker and a national representative and an expert, really, when it comes to mental health. Having run his own business and been an expert in his own field, he's now sharing all of his tips and tricks about keeping yourself, I guess, together in a well-being mental health space. Um, thank you very much for joining us again, Tim. Now, um, let's talk about how you deal with, uh, I don't know, tricky customers when when they when they suddenly ring up abruptly quite often and they might say look I'm not very happy with my bill I'm not very happy with the cost you might have made a mistake we were talking a bit before the break about you know not invoicing at a regular basis not being frequent enough and suddenly they get this big bill and they get a bit of sticker shock what what do you do what do you do really because the first time this happens it is it is quite scary so what what's the best way to approach this from I guess a um, a mental emotional perspective Okay, so where do we start? I think if I look back, um, as a small business operator, you will always be confronted, um, and I've always been confronted throughout the whole of the time I ran my business, whether that's internally or externally from clients. So it's kind of part of doing business. I'm not suggesting that you um, have to put up with it all the time, but what I'm saying is that it will happen, so you have to be prepared for it. I think one of the things... Often when somebody's um, coming at you about a bill or coming at you about something else, um, often what you need to do is stop and listen to them because 
maybe, just maybe, it's not actually to do with you. Maybe there's some other issues or some other problems that they're having in their business. Um, and for example, if you're a bookkeeper, you might be able to see that their sales are down and you know that things are getting tough for them or they, and their cash flow is really tight. So sometimes you have a window into what potentially might be happening. So, so the first and foremost thing is try your best not to take it personally because they may have some other issues. Someone might have, a customer might have just sacked them and then they are worried about how they're going to pay their bill and they get an extra large bill or something from you. So have a think about that. And I used to tell my staff that, that just, just because the client's on the phone unhappy about something doesn't mean they're unhappy at you. They're unhappy about a situation. So how can you help them? So one of the things um, I've certainly learned with um, working with Beyond Blue is um, that you you can't always solve people's problems, but what you can do really well is you can listen, you can be empathetic, you can, uh, if they're on the phone, it's a little different, but you, you can sh- certainly show on the phone that you're listening. But if, you, if you're sitting with them, you sit and you look them in the eye, you listen to them, and you allow them to share their story, um, even if that sometimes is directed at you, because at the end of the day, just simply doing that not trying to solve their problems straight away, not going into, I've got to rescue them. Oh my gosh, if I don't, they'll sack me as a client. But just showing empathy, just listening can sometimes be the most powerful thing you can do for them. So it's almost like you've got to take off your small business hat and and put on your human hat and really understand what it is they're trying to say. Granted, it might be you stuffed up uh, or it might be that they can't pay the bill, but it's almost you need to get the story yes. before you get to the end result because you've just heard the end result. Yeah, You need to sort of backpedal a little bit, I guess. And, and also, if it is something about your business, just be honest and upfront and say, well, let's work together and I'll fix that because sometimes people just want to know that someone's going to listen to them and do their best to sort it out. Now, I'm not saying that people won't necessarily want to play kind of games with you know, money and bills and that, but we talked earlier about how you kind of get that out Get that out of the way by having clear and decisive letters of engagement and payment. So when these things happen, you can deal with them much, much easier. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and um, one of the things I just want to bring up is um, Beyond Blue have an app. It's actually now called Youth Beyond Blue, the check-in. It used to be just called the check-in app. Um, if anyone's in a situation and they want to know how to deal with it, go on there, some really, really good tips and tricks. You know, just sitting with them, talking to them, having a coffee, just listening, but not trying to solve the problem for them. And then in some cases, if they are in distress and you see that they're really in distress, sometimes it's simply about suggesting that they go and see their um, their medical practitioner or somebody to talk to, or they can call Beyond Blue because they have a hotline that is manned 24-7 by um, trained clinical medical people. And it's not something we would think of doing as a business owner. I think, you know, we might say to ourselves, I, I myself am feeling this way, but it's all wrapped up. It's all, it's all the one thing. We are the package. You know, things that affect our business will affect us. Incidents like this can really affect us and really bring, take us down a few notches and, and, and almost lead to the spiral that might be a form of mental health illness. Yes, and I think if you think about the fact that you can help your clients solve business issues that you're skilled in, whatever service and product you're doing, but you can't solve their um, mental or um, personal health 
issues. That's right. <laughs> when do you outsource that? Yeah. However, however, you can be empathetic mm. and you can share with them where they could potentially go. How do you? How would you suggest um, handling emails such as that when they first come in? A, a lot of people have the thought that you should never check emails after six pm or before eight p- eight am in the morning. Do you? Are you? Are you a believer in that, or are you a believer that you need to be available on call, empathetic for your clients? How do you find that balance? I'll take a couple of steps back to when we we're talking before. Um, if you're clear in your business about your strategy and your plan, about your service offering and when you are offering that service, is it a 24-7 service offering or is it a 8.30 to 5.30? Um, one of the things that um, I did in uh, my business was um, inform the team after we informed the clients that we would attend to their um their emails and their calls between, I think it was something like 8.30 to 5.30, something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, often there will be exceptions to that, so let's not worry about that. Sometimes a client needs something, but they could ring the business owner and get it sorted. But I used to have to catch myself at home if I was checking emails not to start responding. Because if you start at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, getting in to a conversation with a client about something, it could go... To be honest, I'll go to hell real quick. Yeah. And then you'll be awake at three in the morning worrying about it. And you can create quite um, uh, bad habits for that person, them thinking that they have access to you at that time. I'm a fan of scheduling emails. So if you really need to get it out of your system, sometimes it's quite cathartic to just write out what it is that's in your head rather than keeping it there and trying to have a sleep. Um, write it out, but then just save it as a draft. So don't actually send it. Wait until the morning, 8.30, when you've got a chance to quickly read through it, check all the spelling mistakes you just made because it was 11 o'clock at night, and then send it out. Um, Sending emails late at night shows your client that you're still working for them, and there's got to be some boundaries, doesn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And if if you're doing that, then you really have no one else to hold accountable for that than you. Mm. So you can't then complain about it later and go, oh, they're always contacting me at 11 o'clock at night. Well, because you respond. Why wouldn't I? (laughs) <laughs> it's like, exactly. I, if I can get you 11 o'clock at night, I will. But it's really, I think it's really, really important. And I, I think you made a really good point. Um, often if it's, if it's a stressful email, um, do not respond to it immediately. No. Draft something, mm, mm. save it and come back to it. And as I would always say, the best thing you can possibly do during business hours, pick up the phone and call them. Sometimes they might not answer because they're really cranky about something but maybe they're not cranky with you, but ring them. And again, it's kind of showing empathy. Here I am. I want to have a chat to you about it. I reckon that we could get that dealt with rather than banging mm. back and forth on email. Yeah. How can I, can I see yeah, bang, yeah, the back and forth thing that can really agitate people. And you can see from their emails, they get shorter and shorter and more um, agitated as the way they're writing. Definitely. So it's some great tips on how to deal with, uh, you know, being confronted with an unhappy client is, is be empathetic um, try not to be overwhelmed. Try not to take it personally, which is hard. Um, and if it's really quite a, a, a severe, like a severe blow, and you feel quite crappy about it, uh, then don't don't consider using Beyond Blue services to just have a chat to someone who is skilled. I mean, we we burden our own family so many times with trying to chat about work, and they're not experts. You know, you don't pull out a rotten tooth yourself. You go to a dentist. Mm-hmm. You should also be talking about mental health with with experts that you can access as well. Absolutely, and, and, and also if you need help in your business from a business perspective, get a great business coach to help you. Again, to your point, really, really good. Go to the professionals 
that will help you with the areas that you need attention in your business rather than dragging all of that home. Mm, it's, definitely. It's not, it's, not e- it's not easy not to drag it home. I used to do it all the time um, until um, Mother Half just pulled me up one day and said, we can't have these conversations every day. Yeah, it's boring. <laughs> it's real boring. The other thing you can do as well is if you work from home and you have a specific space that is your office, try and make it just about your office. So you can literally close the door, literally close the door on it, leave that laptop in that room, put the, the top down, shut, shut it down if you have to, completely close down the computer and close the door. And if you don't have a door, get a curtain, something that'll physically close off that space so you can disassociate yourself from your workspace in your home space. Correct. And create the boundaries that you want in your practice and stick with them. Mm. Exactly. Even if they're physical boundaries. <laughs> Correct. And emotional boundaries with your family indeed. True. So um, speaking about our relationship with our clients, obviously sometimes you get a gut feeling that, that things are just not working with them. And it comes around to what today's topic about is is, is self-worth and, and understanding what your value is, um, not just for the work that you do, but for you as a person. So when is the right time to trust your instincts and I guess... Know, know how to say no. You, you've established that this isn't the right relationship for you or for a client-business relationship. What's the best way to cut the ties, to, to cut the cord, if you will? Okay, so if we go back to, I think I think there's, there's two parts of this. One is if they're not going to um, sign up to the letter of engagement and the payment and all the, the details up front, um, then it's not worth going ahead. Whereas some people jump in and start doing work and then hopefully they get paid. Um, so I think that that's the first thing. The second thing is if they've done that and then you're in the situation you're talking about, it's getting a little tricky. I think the triggers there are, which I talked about accountability before. One of the real key triggers is we're in this together and what we found is we're doing all this work. We're not, um, we're not being able to deliver um, in full on the date we required because there's a chunk of stuff missing from you. So in that situation... Is there something we could do better? So sometimes it, they might be struggling and they might need help. So how do we work that out? Or in some cases, if it's getting quite tricky and they're just not doing it, um, then there's probably a really good sign that perhaps what you've found is your business is not a right a match for them. What they thought was going to happen is kind of a bit different, even though you were really clear about it. Sometimes I, I think if you look at it, in, in this terms, sometimes you'll get um, tradespeople or you go to a doctor or different people and sometimes the first time around won't be the person that you want to use in your house or go to on a regular basis um, because you've you've spent a bit of time with them and you've worked out that the fit's not quite right. So again, don't take that personally but sometimes you'll find that then is a great time to open up a conversation and talk about the fact that perhaps I'm not the right fit. Mm. Or my processes are not the right fit or the way uh, that my business operates doesn't work with your uh, timings. You said something yep. earlier about, um, you know, I am unable to deliver what I have promised and on time because yada, yada, yada. So it's, it's a balance between pushing the blame back onto them when mm. you kind of know that it's not them doing what they need to do so you can mm. deliver, but also finding the right way of wording that so that you're not laying the blame at their feet, but you are, I guess, in a way, you know, just just making sure that they understand that there's a little bit of responsibility there. Yep. And I think the other thing about that is if you've got accountability and responsibility, you've got timeframes around it and those timeframes are missed, 
you jump on jump on it straight away. Don't leave it and give people the benefit of the doubt two or three or four times because by the time you get to the fifth, everybody's unhappy, everybody's cranky, and nothing is working. You do it the first time, and it's a really easy, simple conversation. But if it drags on, then it's time to um, have a proper conversation about potentially how we should part ways. A really good example for me was um, when I had my bookkeeping practice and we moved to the cloud and automated it, I still had a a number of clients that um, we did that were more manually based. Um, And it got to the point where someone had to sack someone. And if I look back, I waited too long and I got sacked by each and every one of them. Mm. And not because it was really bad, but just we weren't being able to deliver what they wanted from a manual process and from the way it used to be. So what I would do differently next time is I would man up to that. I would own up to it. I would go, I know I'm going to lose a bit of revenue, but this is going to end really badly. And I remember in one case, it was a good personal friend and I, I should have... I should have bitten the bullet. I should have just gone to them and go, I can't help you anymore, but I know someone who can. And how cathartic was it when you finally did release that bad client? Well, um, the thing was that we were failing all the time because our the way we operated and the way we um, provided our service, much more automated through apps and in the cloud, um, wasn't what they wanted. Mm. But two or three or four or five years earlier than that when it was all manual, that's what they wanted. So I should have been smarter in going, I've got a different offering now. They're not in that. So uh, if they aren't going to come on board and they chose not to and that's absolutely their choice, then it was I, sh- I should have been clearer up front and gone. But I wanted to be sacked. But <laughs> 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 it hurt. <laughs> it's, it's part of valuing yourself is, is um, really valuing your processes and procedures and saying, no, no, no. I am the expert in this field. I have determined that this is the best method for my business and what I believe the majority of my clients and recognising when someone's not the right fit. That takes experience though. I mean, I think after a few years in business, all of my listeners out there who have been in business for a few years will probably go, yep, there's been that client or two where I've gone, yeah, nah, I'm not I'm not taking you on. Or I'll give you an example. I'll give you Small Biz Matters. Um, you know, if, if people come and approach me and say they want to come on the program and they keep on saying, I just want to talk about myself for half an hour and how fabulous I am and my business and my journey and what a fabulous experience it's been. It's like, yeah, you're not really imparting any knowledge. And and it takes a few years to recognise the fit and for your audience or for your clients and, and what's going to work. Um, what would you say to someone who's newly in business? Okay, so can I just um, make a comment on your um, your comment about Small Biz Matters? Coming on this show twice now, I have, have from the very, very beginning been abundantly clear yeah. what the boundaries were and where I could go and where I couldn't go. And guess what? That made it much, much easier for me. And to be told up front really clearly is great because it wasn't offensive, wasn't anything other than this is how I operate. If you want to step into my realm, mm-hmm. then this is how you act and behave. And it's easy. Whereas if it was a bit kind of, well, don't really want you to do that. You didn't want to offend somebody. You know, I could have gone blabbing on and then I would have been pulled up and I would have gone, hang on a minute. But you were really, really clear. And I think if um, listeners think about that, sometimes it's better to be clear, very, very clear up front. Now, to your other point, if you're a small, sorry, if you're starting out, oh, I don't know. I think 
I think, Every, everybody's an expert in hindsight, aren't we? Yeah. I, I think in a lot of cases when you're starting out, um, there, there's a few things. One is that um, if you are true to yourself and you do have a strategy and a plan, and I kind of harped on this a bit, but it is really important, then that will help you. Um, you will, uh, what I found is I would dissuade, I would, uh, you know, I would, I would, um, I would not stay true to that all the time and I would give people benefit of the doubt, things like that. But you, you do learn from that and sometimes you have to learn by experience. And sometimes you'll, oh, in my case, I lo- lost a couple of clients but I learned really powerful lessons about that. And in some cases I never, um, I never lost a client for that reason again mm. because they were hard. So sometimes it is a little bit of experience. But again, um, talk to your community, talk to people around you. I think one of the most powerful things around small business now and social media is people love to help and share one another. And it's not, and it's so easy because you can read through social media, you can connect with people, you can have conversations with them. Sometimes people you don't know who are in your own industry who are, who are sharing information like that. So sometimes that's a really good place to go and keep ahead of what some of the ticks, tick, tips and tricks are in your industry. That's right. And a professional association is a great starting point as well because quite often they will have industry-specific suggestions about engagement or uh, contracts or way to handle certain situations and also where you stand with bodies such as fair trading. And because remember that there are different rules um, for small businesses um, as there are for the big corporations and and, uh, in a way, knowing where you stand um, legally doesn't mean you need to consult with a lawyer. There's lots of places you can go to for help in that way. Fair trading is a great start, professional associations, um, your your membership boards and and your local community, your local business community. Absolutely. And one other point I'll just make on that, we've we've talked a lot about clients, but um, also think in terms of your team and the people you employ. Um, being very, very clear around rules of engagement, around accountability, around um, when you step into my business and my culture, this is how we act and behave and this is how we operate. Um, and be really, really clear because if you are clear up front, um, then it gives the individuals a much greater um, opportunity to um, live the way you want people to live in your business. That's right. And you've got to consider those people around you. And those, it's almost your immediate family within your business, isn't it? You mm-hmm. need to not treat them as family, but um, look after them, definitely. Correct. Because there's a whole lot of employment regulations that are in and around that as well. We're going to take one more short break here on Small Biz Matters. And when we come back after break, we're going to talk about um, your experience with Beyond Blue and really when to recognise when things are falling apart for you from a mental health perspective and how to seek help. You're listening to Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to Small Biz Matters, broadcasting on Triple H 100.1 FM and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening today. We have Tip Hoopman in the studio today. We've been talking all about mental health and your business, particularly under the guise of valuing yourself, valuing your work, and recognising when a client relationship is or is not working. And we were talking about that just before the break. Let's, uh, let's find out ways that you can seek help yourself. So sometimes things really begin to unravel, uh, may or may not be linked with your business. It might be because other things are going on in your life. But intrinsically, everything uh, comes back around and sometimes does affect your ability to work and earn money. So Beyond Blue has a lot of fantastic uh, opportunities that you can you can call, you can seek resources, you can look up websites and find out information. Um, how do you recognise the signs when you're really beginning to spiral and when is the right time to seek help? 
help, according to Beyond Blue, Tim? Okay, I think um, one of the things that I've learned in working with Beyond Blue is that we talk a lot about physical well-being and it has been done for many, many years and everybody's all about um, keeping healthy physically. Um, one of the things that Beyond Blue have done very well is start us thinking about um, staying healthy from a mental point of view. Um, it hasn't been talked about as much. It's certainly getting um, a lot more attention now. And I think if we look at it in terms of small business, it's become very prevalent now um, about that people need to, in running a small business, especially if you're a sole trader, but also if you have um, staff, that you um, focus very much on your mental um, well-being of yourself, of your team and of your business and the value in that. And one of the things that um, Beyond Blue talk about is that there's a very, very high three, four, five um, times return on investment on money spent on mental healthy um, programs in your business. And obviously there's programs that people can access yes. no matter what size they are yep. within and, Beyond Blue. And I think um, one of the things I'm working um, with a group of people on a, a national stakeholder council with Beyond Blue about taking their small business healthy workplace message to small business because um, just telling people that there's a website is great but that doesn't help. However, um, they're looking at different ways to take it through associations um, to small business which I think is really powerful. Um, one of the things, though, is if people are looking somewhere to start, go to headsup.org. Um, that is solely um, um, built in association with Beyond Blue around um, small business and a um, healthy mental workplace. And it talks in there in terms of if you're a business owner, if you're an employee, if you're a team leader, there is a wealth of information in there. There's some really, really powerful things and how to deal with tough situations at work. Um, but back to your point about um, triggers, it, I, it's difficult. So one of the things that um, has been discussed and I've been in part of those discussions is that a lot of people believe that running a small business is stressful and you really just need to suck it up. And Isn't that a bit of a 1980s mental yeah, health approach? Yes, I know. Um, and But it's still kind of out there. And I, I can say over the last um, 10 years that I kind of did that myself. I went, yeah, I really need to... I need to toughen up. I need to kind of suck it up. Um, I didn't look at any, um, as uh, stress and anxiety were rising, I didn't look at any um, telltale signs really. Um, sometimes people are scared to go to, to, to a doctor because they're like, well, now what's going to be on there? Does it impact insurance? All of these things. Um, my recommendation is you go after professionals as quickly as possible. Um, but what, a great place to start is if you're concerned about yourself because some of the triggers, um, not sleeping at night or really bad sleeping patterns, um, could be um, mood swings, all sorts of things um, happening. If I look back, there were some of those things that I was de happening to me that I thought was just the pressure of running a business. Um, go to Beyond Blue's website. Go and call their 24-7 um, man telephone line um, or head to uh, headsup.org or go and see a medical practitioner. Um, and sometimes... Do it early, even if you are not really sure if there's you're just feeling you're just feeling a bit off sorts. Go and see somebody. Mm. Best thing you could possibly do. That's right. I mean, you wouldn't sort of you know suffer from the flu and 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 suffer from like some gastrovirus mm. for weeks on end without seeking any help. So we really need to think of mental health as 
another part of our body that needs a little bit of a checkup every every now and then. Absolutely. And also, if if you think about it, one of the things I thought about this way, and we talked earlier about how you deal with customers, how you deal with your team when things are tough. If you are healthy mentally, then that is a really good start to be able to help other people. Um, sometimes it's not as easy as that if you're really struggling. But if you're looking after yourself um, from a mental health perspective, and it's something that must be done like physical exercise ongoing. You can't just go, oh, this week I'll do a little bit on my mental health and then oh, in six months' time I'll do something. It, it, you really need to train yourself. Um, if you can do that then, that, then that will help yourself, your business and your clients. And one of the other things that I learned in particular through Beyond Blue is you, le- you learn what your triggers are. So what sets me off is not being paid. Hmm. And I know we were talking about that early because I very quickly go into um, a situation of not valuing myself, what's wrong with me, the client doesn't want me, they're going to sack me because they haven't paid me and I just run this incredibly bad racket with myself because I'm not getting paid. So if I have everyone on direct debit, guess what? I know that's a trigger for me and I need to deal with that up front. Everybody has their own triggers and often it's about learning what they are and learning how to deal with them. Um, the other thing that I do in the morning, I think I've, I might have spoken this last time, is I'll go down to the beach or I'll, I'll don't, I don't have to run or swim, I can walk, do something like that to set my day up properly. So there are different things you can do, but often it's about understanding what your triggers are and being honest with yourself and perhaps writing down when you're reacting negatively to something and having a look at what that is and why that's happening. Mm, it, it doesn't take very long to set aside some time to really give some thought. When was the last time I was really stressed about work and it wasn't because of a particular incident or something that occurred or uh, perhaps because of some physiological lead up to that with lack of sleep or something to do mm-hmm. with the family? What yep. is it that's your trigger? That's a great point, actually, because if you can recognise those, you can put strategies in place. And obviously, the Beyond Blue website would have some great strategies on how to deal with those before you start spiralling. Yes. And I think one of the other things, particularly in the um, headsup.org website, is um, taking care of your um, business and your team from a mental health perspective um, is really, really important. And they'll give you tips in there on how to have conversations with people in your team without it being overtly confrontational, without you going, um, oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with this? What's going to happen if they're not there? Because sometimes simply um, looking at the tips and, and information that they have, talking to your team, having regular conversations with them can often spearhead Um, situations before they get too bad because the last thing you want is an employee walking out because they just can't cope. What could you have done before by being healthy myself, by looking at some of the information that um, Beyond Blue have? And being empathetic, as you mentioned. Being uh, empathetic, then that goes a long way to creating um, an environment that people really enjoy being in and is very mentally um, well, in your practice. Well, we've we've ended up with a really great set of practical strategies which lots of small business owners out there can uh, implement in their business. Tell us again where, Tim, we can find out the information from Beyond Blue. So, well, obviously, you can go to the Beyond Blue website. They have a lot of information there. You can go to headsup.org. 
that's direct um, information directed at small business. Very, very powerful. And then if you're thinking you need to have a chat to somebody, um, then the Youth Beyond Blue, the check-in app, is a really good place to start. It'll give you some nice little tips on, on how to sit and look somebody in the face and just ask them um, without it being confrontational and also um, without you having to solve their problems. And remember, everyone, mental health is something that affects most of us in our working lives, certainly all of us in some point in our lives. Um, recognise it, recognise your triggers and, and seek help early to, to solve this problem. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of people out there to help. Um, it is, you know, one of the reasons that I've started talking, uh, being a speaker with Beyond Blue, is if every time I go and speak one or two people, um, I can help one or two people take the stigma away from mental health, then that's a very powerful thing. Because... Um, it, it's, a, it's a very important subject and it's something we shouldn't hide from. Well, that's a great way to wrap up the program. Thank you so much for coming on the show today again, Tim. We look forward to speaking with you again sometime soon. I'd love to hear more about um, the headsup.org, what Beyond Blue is doing more to target small business and, and hopefully working with other government organisations or with government organisations to uh, to sort of support small business in whatever way they can. It's a, it's a great wonderful service that Beyond Blue provides all of us, not just small business owners, but the entire community. So thank you for being a speaker and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for being invited and um, everyone have a lovely day. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. We'll be back next week with another great guest. And of course, if you've missed any of today's show, you can catch up via our website, www.smallbizmatters.com.au. And if you'd like to get in touch or be a speaker on our program, please let us know. You can uh, get in touch via our Facebook page, Small Biz Matters Australia. Thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Alexi Boyd on Triple H and across the Community Radio Network Australia.